Thanks, Dale. Uh, good morning, church. It is good to see you again, those of you that are here in this building, and then also those of you who are joining us online. Uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Garth Coop, and I am one of the pastors uh, here at Steinbeck EMC. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to James chapter 1, and um, we'll be getting to that in a little bit. Eric, uh, Eric Wehemeyer is a 53-year-old American athlete, an adventurer, an author, activist, motivational speaker. Uh, he has made dozens of skydives. Uh, and in 2014, he kayaked the entire 277 miles of the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. One of the most intimidating whitewater venues in all of the world. Uh, he also loves to ski, but his specialty is in mountain climbing. Uh, in May of 2001, Eric reached the summit of Mount Everest when 90% of the climbers who attempt it fail. Uh, and over 300 people have died trying. His goal was to climb all seven of the continental summits, um, which are the highest mountains of each of the seven traditional continents. Uh, climbing to the summit uh, of all of these is regarded as a mountaineering challenge. <laughs> no kidding. But he did that in September of 2002. At the time, there was only 150 mountaineers to do so. In addition to this, he has also made other noteworthy climbs up the highest mountain in Indonesia in 2008. He climbed the El Capitan in Yosemite in 1996, which was once considered impossible to climb, and the standard for big wall climbing. And then he ascended a 2,700-foot vertical face in the Himalayas in 2008. Those achievements are amazing. Uh, what makes those achievements even next-level achievement uh, amazing is that he did that without his eyesight. He had a degenerative eye disease that made him totally blind by the age of 13. And so all of these adventures, all of these accomplishments of kayaking and skydiving and climbing, he did without the benefit of his eyesight. How does a blind man successfully climb the highest peaks in the world? Oh, I suppose beyond being in great physical condition, having an incredible sense of touch would be important. But he would tell you this himself, that he has learned to listen well. He follows the sound of a bell that is tied to the climber ahead of him and indicating which way he should go as he climbs. And he listens to his climbing partners who shout back to him, uh, death fall two feet to your right. And then he knows which direction he shouldn't go. When he's on ice, where one wrong strike with an axe can end very badly, Eric has learned to listen to the ice as he pings it gently with his axe. If it clinks like a fork on the plate, he avoids it. If it makes a funk like a spoon hitting butter, he knows the ice is good. And so he relies on listening carefully to avoid disaster and to enable him to accomplish incredible things. Today we are continuing our study through the book of James, and we're going to be looking specifically at the verses 19 through 27 in chapter 1. 
And we are going to see here as well that James, the author of the book, puts listening carefully and responding appropriately to the Word of God is absolutely critical for us. Because in the Word, God is speaking to us. We have learned over the last two weeks, walking through this series, is that James talked about trials, and that's what Jason covered in the first week. And what we learned there is that life is made up of trials. Uh, When trials come our way, and they will, uh, it demands wisdom. Uh, Wisdom from God and from His Word. And then last week we talked about temptations. And we learned that temptations are going to come our way as well. Uh, But what we learned about these temptations is that when temptations come, uh, they demand wisdom again from God's Word so that we don't take the bait that is offered to us. So whether we're talking about trials in our life or whether we're talking about temptations in our life, the Word of God gives us the foundation on which we are to stand. Today, we're going to continue on that theme. The Word of Truth, the Word of God, again, is very much the focus of what James is writing here. In fact, if you have your Bibles with you, and you can see really quickly that four times in very quick succession, James uses the word, the Word, or Word of Truth, or, or the Word of God. He mentions it in verse 18 and in verse 21 and in verse 22 and and then in verse 23 again. And then he refers to the word of God in verse 25 by calling it the perfect law. The word of God is core to our Christian life. In it, God desires to speak to us. And so it is important for us to have the right attitude as we approach the Word of God, because it is a matter of life and death for us. In today's passage, we are going to see uh, two clear themes that James is going to teach us on. Two ways that we are to receive the Word or to look at the Word. The first one is this, that we need to have a right reception of the Word of God. That is how we take it in. James, in effect, says this, listen to what the Word of God says. And then he goes on to explain three characteristics that we should have to receive the Word of God. He says this, we are to receive the Word of God with humility. In verse 19, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. He says, listen to this, my dear brothers and sisters. Again, James is writing to believers. He's writing to followers of Jesus Christ. And so what he's doing in that is he's connecting what he has just written about to what he's about to write to us. He says, you already know this. Uh, You already experienced this in verse 18, that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. So James is saying, God has given us birth. Uh, He's talking about spiritual birth here, that God has raised us from the dead, that God has given us life, that God has saved us, that God has redeemed us through the word of truth. 
And so James, in effect, is saying to his listeners, to his audience, and to us this day as well, he says, I want you to continue to receive the word of God. I want you to continue to eat it up. I I want you to continue to, to drink it up because this is your spiritual food. It is the lamp for your feet. It's a light for your path. And so James says, continue to listen to the word. And it's along those lines that James says, here's how we should respond to the word of God. Everyone should be quick to listen. You know, we could pull that verse out of context and we could say, oh, that's just some good relational wisdom right there, isn't it? I mean, we all need to be better listeners, don't we? That would be great wisdom for us to apply in our marriages. That would be helpful in, our, in relating to our parents and to our children. Uh, that would be uh, very good to do in your workplace with our coworkers. Oh, and we might even say, well, that's the reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth so we could do less talking and more listening. Uh, And that would be good wisdom. But that's not what James is getting after here. Because again, the whole context here is about how we respond to the word of God. And so James says, when it comes to the word of God, be quick to listen to the word. What he means here is be eager for it. Uh, Be quick to put yourself under the authority of God's word. Be quick to put yourself into the word of God to be able to grasp every opportunity that you have to increase your hearing of God's word. That's what James is getting after. Increase. Be quick to listen to the word of God. And then he adds a second thing that as we approach the word of God. And that is be slow to speak. I think the word there, slow to speak, is to be thoughtful when it comes to the word of God. Again, we can take that wisdom and we can say, hey, that would be actually very good in our relationships with one another. It would be very good to be a a, a little bit slow to speak, to be thoughtful in our conversations, Uh, but that's not what James is getting after. He's getting after how we respond to the word of God. And so he's not talking about being a quiet person. That's not the issue. What he's talking about here is as we get into the word of God, that we would be accepting of the word of God. That we would, yes, look for more opportunities to hear it, be quick to listen, but on the other side, be slow in thinking about it. Contemplate what you are reading. Contemplate what you're thinking about. Contemplate what you're hearing about the Word of God. Reflect upon what you are reading in the Word of God. I mean, how often do we get to reading the Bible in the morning or afternoon or whenever we want to do it, and we quickly read through it so that we can get on with the rest of our day? And James is saying, slow it down. Slow it down. We put inserts into the bulletin partly for this reason. On one side of that insert is for you to write some sermon notes. On the other side of that sheet, you will often find questions on there. And and, and the goal, and what we want to encourage you to do with that is to write down notes as you hear them in the message. Take those questions, ponder those questions by yourself throughout the week. Uh, Take those questions to your life group and to talk about that with others. 
so that you will slow it down and you will reflect upon what you're hearing in God's word. Hmm. James says, be quick to listen to God's word. Look for opportunities quickly to, to put yourself under God's word and then to slow it down, to reflect on it. But then he goes on to say a third thing here. He says, receive these words with openness. Receive the word with openness. He says, be slow to become angry. Again, I'll say it. He's not talking about our relational context. Although that would be very good, and we would be wise to be slow in getting angry in our relationships. That would help us out and save us from a lot of pain in our relationships. But again, the context that James is going after is when we are in the Word of God. To be slow to anger. Uh, the word he uses here is a word that means kind of a deep-seated resentment. It's not an outburst. Uh, it's not some kind of explosion where you lose your temper and, and you fly off the handle. That's not what he's talking about here. But rather, he's emphasizing this kind of slow-burning anger that's building in us sometimes when we hear the Word of God. And in that anger, and, and we have this posture like this when we get to the Word of God, and it is in this anger that closes our minds to hearing what God wants to communicate to us through His Word. Maybe we hear something that's convicting. Uh, maybe there's something that we hear that, or, or read that confronts our lifestyle. Uh, there's something that steps on our toes a little bit, and we tend to get a little bit resentful. And it builds up, and it builds up, right? And we get angry, and then we start to, to close off to God's truth. That's what James is getting after here. And in fact, I think Paul experienced this in his life as well. He said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? You get the sense that he's speaking to the, to the church in Galatia, and he says, does that make me an enemy because I have told you the truth? The greatest thing that I could ever do for you is to tell you the truth. And so James says to us, when it comes to the word of God, uh, grasp every opportunity to increase your hearing of God's word. Uh, be humble as you approach the word of God. And then consider, slow it down, consider and reflect upon what you're hearing. Be thoughtful as you engage in the word. And then be careful that anger doesn't close your mind to the truth of God's word. In other words, be open to what God wants to communicate to you through the word. There may be times in our life that maybe what you hear up front here seems a little bit off. And I would encourage you to reflect on that and to come and chat with me or whoever you may uh, hear up front here and go, mm, something seemed a little bit off. Uh, there are some times when we have to take issue with things because that is contrary to what Scripture says. Uh, but I think we have to be slow to a negative reaction, to ponder it to be thoughtful as we interact in the Word. Why? James goes on to say, because human anger does not produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. 
See, the reason why we teach Scripture, the reason why we uh, read Scripture throughout the week is to help us be right with God. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ, but as we go along in that relationship with Him, sometimes we need to make some mid-course corrections. But it's hard to make those mid-course corrections when we're fighting with the Word of God, when we're angry with the Word of God, when we have a bad attitude as we approach the Word of God. And so James goes on to say in verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word of God planted in you, which can save you. Again, he's speaking to believers in Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, brothers and sisters, sin gets in the way of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Sin gets in the way of having the Word of God work in our lives. And so sometimes, if we are stuck in our spiritual growth, if we're stuck in our spiritual lives, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, is there sin in my life that is impeding what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life? Because sin is always a barrier to spiritual growth. Before the Word of God can produce the righteousness of God in us, which is what it wants to do, sin has to be dealt with in our lives. And so as we read the word, as we read James' letter, boy, you can get a sense that James is shooting pretty straight with his audience and he's shooting pretty straight with you and I today as well. He says, get rid of the moral filth and the evil that is so dominant in your life. And he's talking to Christians here. He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. He says, get rid of the filth and the evil that is dominant in your life. The word picture that James is using here would have been very clear to his original audience. Uh, the picture that he's uh, kind of painting for them is a picture like this, that after a long, hard day of working in the land, when you've been working in the heat of the day and when you've been sweaty and you're filthy from all the dust and the mud, when you come home, take off those dirty clothes. Take off that filth. Okay? Put on the clean clothes. And so that's the image that he's getting at here. Like dirty clothes, let's take off all the forms of sin in our life because that hinders a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so he says, get rid of all of it. Take it off and put on this. And then he says in verse 21, in humility, accept the word. Be teachable. It's an active kind of teachability. It's, it's the kind of teachability and openness. And, and when we come to the Word of God in, in our morning devotions or even devotions, whenever you do your devotions, or, or when we come to a service like this and we're going to hear a message, come with expectancy. Okay? Do we come to the Word of God expecting that the Holy Spirit does want to speak to us? Do we come with a teachability to say, Lord, Speak to me through the word. Speak to me through, through the passage that I'm going to read this morning. Speak to me through the message that uh, I'm going to hear this morning. Because I want to submit my life to you. 
Are we accepting of the word of God? Accepting the word that is planted in you, which can save you, James says. You know what? Forget all the other implants that the world offers us. You can get all sorts of implants nowadays. It's amazing what you can get implants for. But you know something? That I got an implant a number of years ago. So did you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. James says, we have the word of God implanted in us. You have the word of God planted in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were implanted with the word. The resident author of scripture lives in us as followers of Jesus Christ. And that implant is necessary for us as part of our new life, as part of our new nature. But the power and the effect of that implant is dependent upon our ongoing willingness to receive it. The tragedy of all tragedies is to have the word implanted in our hearts and yet to be indifferent to it. The tragedy of all tragedies is to have the word of God implanted in us and to be apathetic to the word of God. The tragedy of all tragedies would be to have the implanted word of God in us And be unresponsive to it. To not immerse ourselves in it regularly. But rather to have an attitude of humility. To have an attitude of thoughtfulness. To have an attitude of openness as we approach the word of God. Because James says it can save you. What does he mean by that? The word of God. Our salvation past, present and future. The Word of God continually helps us through our trials and through our temptations. It delivers us from falling into temptation and it continually conforms and transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ as we are responsive to it. That's what James is getting at here. And so this whole section here, verses 19 through 21, is an invitation, is a plea to us as Christ followers to have a right reception to the truth of God's word. That's the issue that James is driving at here. You see, and that is the mark of a follower of Jesus Christ, that you and I would have a receptive spirit to the word of God. Yeah, it's been a convicting week. And then James adds a second thing. Not only are we to have the right reception to the word of God, but we are to have a right response to the word of God. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, it's important to be receptive. It's important to hear the word of God, obviously. But it's not enough, James says, just to hear the word of God. It must be obeyed in our life. See, what comes in, it needs to go out then also. We are to be doers of the word of God. I went to college for four years. And then after a few years, I went back to seminary. And and so over the years, I've spent a, a fair bit of time in the classroom, learning from the teachers, learning from fellow classmates. 
Uh, spent a fair bit of time discussing different theological thoughts and all of that s- stuff. And, and I've spent a number of hours writing papers and taking exams and reading many, many books over the years. And I have thoroughly enjoyed my post-secondary schooling. Uh, I invested a lot of time and energy into my schooling, uh, not to mention a lot of money in it in the process as well. And it was hard work investing in those years of school. Many late nights doing assignments, and yet I am so thankful for those years. Uh, They were good years. Uh, In fact, in addition to a degree, I also got a wife out of the deal. A few years ago, I audited a class. Um, To audit a class means that you can just show up to class Uh, And you can just sit in class and you can listen to the teacher and you can observe the other students as they do their in-class presentations. Uh, But as an auditor, uh, you're not required to do any work. You don't have to do any of the reading assignments. You don't have to write any papers. You don't have to take any exams. Uh, In other words, you don't have to do any of the work. And so, needless to say, when I audited the class, my investment in that class was minimal. And that's what James is driving at here as well. He says, brothers and sisters, Christians, don't just be auditors of the word. Okay? Do what it says. Okay? An auditor of the word, well, if we're an auditor of the word, we might just leave this place and we might never think about the message again. Uh, because we're not really committed to it. Uh, we're willing to listen. We're, we're willing to kill an hour of our time Sunday morning. But then after this, we're on our way to the other things in life. But we're not willing to act upon what we're hearing. James says, if that's how you treat the word of God, you deceive yourselves. Ouch. <laughs> okay, you stepping on my toes. The word deceive that he uses here uh, is used in mathematics to refer to miscalculation. Uh, It means they got it wrong. They miscalculated it. And so James is saying, listen, if you're just hearing the message um, without applying it to your lives, then you have seriously miscalculated and you've got it wrong. We might even sit in a service like this and go, man, how long is this guy going to preach for? How long is this message going to be? And I'll tell you this morning, um, for those of you that might be thinking, that, give me five or six more minutes, okay? Uh, Because I want to try to land this thing for us this morning. If you're an auditor of the word, we're just about done here. But if you're a doer of the word, the message will begin when you get up from your seat. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Did you use a mirror this morning? Mirror, it helps us to see what we look like so that we, when we go out in public we don't freak people out, right? We use mirrors all the time. Some of you this morning should have used a mirror. No, I'm kidding. 
And so James says this, a person who just listens to the word of God but doesn't do what it says is like somebody who looks in a mirror, goes away, and they forget what they look like. Have you ever done that? You've looked in the mirror and you look, oh yeah, wait, and you look back. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Here again, James says the perfect law in referring to the scriptures. He says, uh, here, this is the perfect law. This law is so much different than the other laws that we have, right? Because we know that our other laws, they are not perfect. The other laws that we have to adhere to, they don't give freedom. They don't give promise. But this perfect law, is perfect. It gives freedom and it comes with a promise. James says those who look intently into the word, uh, that remains in the word, who obeys it and applies it to their life, he says they will be blessed in what they do. That word to look intently, it means to stoop down and to look very closely with precision and with care. The mirror is the Bible. This word is a mirror to us. And in it, God shows us who we really are. And we are to remember what we read, to remember what we see in Scripture. And when we apply the truths of the word of God, James says it will lead to blessing. But the ones who just audit the word, they miss out on God's blessing. God is so amazingly practical, isn't he? He says, doing the word of God will lead to blessing in your life. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I don't have time this morning to dig into all that that could mean and what that all means. But here's the real practical sense of being doers of the word. How you can know that you are doing the word of God. Three things. It will show up in our speech. And so we listen what you say listen to your talk listen to your conversations listen to your jokes listen to how you respond what comes out of your mouth things that are praiseworthy do they encourage others do they honor christ is your speech seasoned with grace When we take the word of God in and we work it out, it will show up in our speech. Because like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. It'll show up in our speech, but it'll also show up in our relationship with others. If you want to know whether you're a doer of God's word, watch how you deal with people. Watch how you deal with people in need. The doer of God's word displays the love of Christ in their actions. They display things like sacrifice and compassion, kind-heartedness and tenderness and mercy. 
and they display grace in their lives. These are just a few of the things that a doer of God's word looks like. And the third thing is this, that it will show up in our holy living. If you want to know if you're a doer of God's word, then watch how you live towards God. How do you respond to his commands? Do you throw off the filthy rags, the filthy clothes? We don't always get this right. But are we moving in his direction in our lives? And so it'll show up in our speech, it'll show up in our relationships with others, and it will show up in our holy living church. Like Eric, we admire. Let us learn to be good listeners, but not just listeners out there. Let us be good listeners to the Word of God. And then to be doers of the Word of God as well. To ask ourselves, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? Is there anything that is inconsistent in my life uh, to what a Christ follower should look like? And I confess this. Because, Father, I don't want to live in deception. I want to turn from deception and I want to turn to you because I want to reflect you more clearly in my life. I want to be a witness for you to shine more brightly. Heavenly Father, help me to be a good listener, but then not just to listen, but to be a doer of the Word of God. And so, church, this morning, you have been a listener to God's word. What are you going to do about it?